KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In Depth. I'm Tom Rickard. The weather's getting a lot nicer. Today it was absolutely beautiful outside, and a lot of people have the beach on their mind. Now, usually, that's just a normal sign of summer. But right now in New Jersey, during the coronavirus pandemic, it means some serious decision-making from the state level on down. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy joined KOW News Radio and KOW's Ian Bush to talk about the coronavirus recovery, even as the Garden State hits a tragic milestone. Speaking now live with New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Governor, thanks for being with us on KYW. Uh, you announced today the, the sad milestone, more than 10,000 deaths in New Jersey from COVID-19. Uh, how are the health trends looking to you, especially in South Jersey? The trends are better. There's no question about it. And it's easy to say that when you, as you, as you just mentioned, 10,138 lives lost, which is just unfathomable. Uh, the, the, we had known that this was going to migrate, this being the virus from Metro New York and clearly the big northern counties in New Jersey into central and the south. I was worried about hospitalization capacity 10 days to two weeks ago. Um, I think we're, um, we're, we're going to be, uh, over the past number of days, it's stabilized and that's a really good thing. Having said that, I mean, if folks probably know this, I just picked two counties. Camden County, over 5,000 positive cases, 262 fatalities. Burlington County, just almost 4,000 cases, 238 fatalities. So every county has got uh, positives, and every county, sadly, has fatalities. But the progress, without question, hospitalizations, ICU beds, ventilator use, the heat maps we use, without question, we've had a, a very positive couple of weeks in, in those trends. You uh, issued a couple new executive orders today, one of them allowing elective surgeries to resume the 26th, the other uh, to promote voting by mail. Uh, how will that work, or are you concerned about voter fraud? Well, you're always, you always want to make sure that you've got uh, your watchdogs and, and you're as transparent and as possible. You know, we're trying to balance on voting, and this is for our primary, uh, which we moved from June 2nd to July 7th. And so we're trying to balance two very important things here. Democracy, which is, you know, voting is the sacred stone of democracy and and public health. So what we've said is, again, it's a primary. If you're a democratically, if you're registered as a Democrat, you're going to get a Democratic uh, ballot. If you're registered as a Republican, you'll get a Republican ballot. And if you're not affiliated, you'll get an application, and then you can choose to pick which of the parties you want to come in for the primary. We're also, however, going to have in each county at least 50 percent, including one in each municipality of each county, uh, a polling live polling station on the day of July 7. So it'll be a mix vote by mail versus in person. Clearly, though, Ian, your point is a good one. It'll be much more skewed toward vote by mail than a, a typical election for us. And will there be increased scrutiny of, of uh, everything up, on the up and up? You betcha. In fact, I spent uh, some time on the phone today with Dave Williams, who's the COO of the U.S. Postal Service, uh, talking about, in particular, high-density communities, low-income communities, and making sure that they do their job in addition to our Secretary of State, Attorney General, the county clerks who will do their job. 
Great weather today. I'm jealous of the people at the shore. Um, Governor Wolf, uh, uh, Pennsylvania's health commissioner, Philadelphia Mayor Kenny, the city health commissioner here, all have said they're concerned about Jersey Beach's reopening. Uh, a lot of us are going to want to flock to the shore, you know, more so after weeks of staying at home. Even with the restrictions in place, is it going to be safe for people there? Listen, Ian, I, I believe the answer is yes, but it's a big step. So we couldn't take the step if those health curves I spoke about a minute ago were not improving as they are. And that's a that's a really good thing. We've taken this step uh, in concert, I have to say, with the four shore counties and the many municipalities that comprise those counties that are on the water. Uh, and w- w- we're going to need folks to do the right thing. So we're going to the, the local municipalities and counties will actually execute this. But the big two themes are limiting capacity, uh, whether that's you know how many beach tags you sell on a different day or in the state island beach state park, how many parking spaces you're going to restrict, et cetera, as well as then social distancing. Uh, those are the two things that we are most focused on. We are strongly recommending face covers. We're not necess- we're not mandating it because that's going to be awfully difficult to enforce to every person. But we believe face coverings will make a difference. We opened our county and state parks a couple of weekends ago. Folks did a really good job complying, and we need the same sort of compliance uh, with the beaches beginning a uh, week from today. You're relaxing restrictions on some non-essential retail curbside for them. Uh, any thought to pools and summer camps? We get a lot of a lot of emails about that. Yep. So pools. I hope to to have some protocols uh, announced via probably an executive order in the next couple of days. Summer camps. We're not there yet. Uh, it, it's challenging. Clearly, things Ian that are. And this is not surprising. Outdoor stuff is easier to. Uh, unrestricted indoor stuff. So the the day the summer day camp, for instance, if it's outdoors and you and you're properly social distance, that's something you could see, you know, coming to coming to pass. I worry still about fifty people in a bus going to and from that camp. So we're still we're still working that through. We know it's a big item for a lot of folks and, and uh, we're not there yet, but we're working on it. The House today is expected to vote on a bill that includes hundreds of billions of dollars in aid for state and local governments, uh, as well as some other Democratic wish list items that make it entirely unpalatable to Republicans. <laughs> That's going to delay state relief even more, though. And you've said you have a matter of weeks, really, before uh, having to make drastic cuts and layoffs, not months. Uh, you made yeah. that point this week. Uh, are, yeah. are you disappointed with how uh, even your fellow Democrats on Capitol Hill are? are no, no, this? no. I'm not disappointed by them at all. And and and, and I, I I don't know. Listen, you, you're absolutely right. And this is not abstract. You've got municipalities, as we sit in this phone call right now, that are beginning to lay folks off. So this is real. Um, and I applaud the both uh, Senator Menendez, my one of my great senators, has co-sponsored a bill in the Senate, and uh, the big bill you're talking about is dropped and and being voted on in the House. Uh, it's also got a repeal, by the way, on the House side of the limitation on state and local tax deduction, which has been a real crushing blow to homeowners in New Jersey. Uh, I'm optimistic that we get to a good place, that there's some sort of compromise. And the reason I'm optimistic is the alternative is completely unpalatable. It isn't, as Mitch McConnell has been saying, bankruptcies. We're not going to go bankrupt, but we're going to lay off. We, we might lay off 
you know, at the state level, maybe a couple of hundred thousand frontline workers, the very workers we need right now uh, in this hour of need in this health care crisis. So I'm an optimist, uh, but I'm also a realist. I believe we'll get there, uh, but we got to hope for the best and sadly plan for the worst. Do you have a do or die date for that to happen when you have to start making these layoffs? Next number of weeks, you're going to see this building because it's already started to happen at the municipal level. It'll be a matter of weeks, not months. Let me ask you about uh, public workers. Your, your signature is all that's needed to go ahead with uh, with a plan from uh, Senate President Steve Sweeney to uh, partially furlough 100,000 state workers. Uh, Sweeney says it could allow New Jersey to tap into more CARES Act funding and those workers will not lose a penny. Do you support that plan? Conceptually, and as I've said to Steve privately and I've said publicly, we're open-minded to it and we're looking at it. That's just come to our, that was just voted through in the past couple of days. The devil's in the details, so I, I, I won't comment on the bill per se other than to say conceptually it's something that we take very seriously. Here's the, the one hitch I want to remind folks of. Um, you could make an argument that folks have never needed government more than right now. So I look at the Department of Health our state police, um, the, the folks in our labor department processing unemployment insurance claims where there's been an enormous uh, demand and, and backlog to chop through. I'm just picking those three examples. Folks have never worked harder, never worked longer hours. So I would say yes, conceptually, but uh, let's be careful what we wish for here. You could really make that argument that our residents have never been relying more on government than they are right now. You mentioned the state labor department uh, it has paid about two thirds of the claims it's gotten so far. Uh, now more than a million people in New Jersey have lost their jobs since the pandemic began. But uh, Governor, we get emails into our newsroom every day from people, some going eight weeks now without money, no way to get through to the state unemployment office. Is there anything yeah. you can do now to help people get the money they, they really desperately need? I'll say two things, Ian, that that are not meant to be connected. So this is just these are two statements that are that are objectively uh, provable. Number one, people are frustrated. I don't blame them. This is as desperate a time, both from a health care crisis and job loss and economic crisis as we've ever seen. And anybody who hasn't gotten through, anybody who hasn't gotten uh, a person to speak to them, uh, if they're upset and frustrated, uh, I, I respect that. I hear from them myself all the time. It turns out overwhelmingly each of these cases has a different reason associated with it, uh, but I, I, I do not begrudge that frustration. Equally, with the same conviction, uh, New Jersey has chopped through its backlog. I know this may not give anyone any solace, and it's not intended to as much and as fast as any American state. It's just a, it's a 500-year flood. This is a tsunami unlike any we've ever seen before. But I will say this. Uh, everyone who's owed money is going to get every single penny of what's coming to them, both state and federal. That is without uh, any any exception and without any caveat. Uh, and I, again, I, I have nothing but respect and under, understanding for the folks who are, are, are waiting. Uh, we are chopping through it. Uh, we've thrown a ton of bodies and technology at an old system at this, and uh, we will get there. But I completely appreciate and understand people being upset. And I know, I know you've said for, for weeks that everyone who's unemployed will be made whole. 
I mean, yep. we, we, we've had so many heartbreaking stories. We have a listener who's panhandling outside of Wawa, uh, yes. another who has a family of three who, who never thought he'd have to resort to a food bank. And Yeah, I, I had a guy I, show up at my press conference today saying, you know what, I'm, this is my last resort. I, I don't know where else to go. Uh, and by the way, one of our folks tr- tried to reach out to him. I hope they got him. Um, you know, we take every single one of these situations deadly seriously. And I know you know every one of these million plus people out of work is a real person if if this were you if this were one of your family members would you be handling it any any differently no no i i grew up with nothing i mean i we were we were almost meal to meal i i've walked in those shoes i understand that my dad didn't get out of high school my mom did we were we were working poor i think probably is the right way to put it uh and i i completely get it but we're doing uh we're doing everything we can uh and i promise you folks will get what's coming to them president trump was on new jersey 101.5 today uh calling you a good governor uh he said he's working very hard i will say he's very liberal but he's trying he's trying very hard <laughs> uh, you guys seem like bffs all of a sudden I don't know about that. He called me after that, actually, to to officially say that uh, NJ Transit was getting a big slug of federal money, and I thanked him privately and gave gave him a shout out in in our press conference. Listen, we've been able for for two guys who probably on a lot of different things uh, wouldn't be in the same place. Um, I want to say to his credit, and I hope to ours, that we've been able with our teams to find a lot of common ground. Um, whether it's ventilators, bed capacity, PPE, testing, and, and, and federal money. I did make the case. I was with them in the Oval Office, which was a couple of weeks ago, and I was honored to be there. I did make the case for federal direct federal cash assistance for states and reminded him that this wasn't about legacy issues or mismanagement or the past. This was about keeping frontline folks, firefighters, police, educators, EMS employed. And and we'll see where that goes. But I appreciate it was a constructive conversation, but I appreciate uh, the support he's, he's thrown toward New Jersey. Anything else you can share from that uh, call you had? Today? Yeah. No, no, he was, he was in, he was in good form. He said he was going to have some good news or his team told me he was going to have some good news today. And apparently I've, I've been, in, I've not been on in front of a television. Apparently he, he's uh, said that they hope to have a vaccination by the end of the year. And if certainly if that comes to pass and it's scalable and safe, that's a game changer here. That's yeah. without question. So fingers crossed. Part of their uh, operation warp speed is actually named a Philly guy, a former head of GlaxoSmithKline's uh, vaccine division as the chief advisor of that. I I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. Well, God, God knows. Let's hope that that's right, because the sooner the better. Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey. Governor, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me in. Take right, care of yourself. You. See you. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. If you want to listen to more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you just want to know how the news that you see on TV or hear on the radio will affect you personally, Then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Just search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tom Rickard, and we'll have another episode out soon. 